0: Breaking the Glass Slipper, we believe it is important to have conversations about women and issues of intersectional feminism within science fiction, fantasy and horror. To continue to do so, we need your help. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Join the conversation by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Hello, and welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper.
1: I'm Charlotte Bond, I'm Lucy Hounsome, and I'm Megan Lee. Your body is a temple. saying that has been with us for centuries. The message, look after your body because you and it are going to be together for a long time. The body is in a symbiotic relationship with the soul. One cannot exist without the other. But what if one of them is corrupted? A damaged body can lead to a cracked soul. The darkness of an evil soul will leak out into the body that carries it. Say the words body horror. And you might think of gruesome scenes in Alien or John Carpenter's A Thing or poor old Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. But in Ellen Datler's new anthology Body Shocks, readers will find a more nuanced approach to body horror, taking in everything from snakes to surgery and fashion to monsters. We're delighted to be joined tonight by Ellen herself, christened by some as the Doyen of Horror. Thank you for joining us, Ellen. Please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your work
2: thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and um, I'll be happy to talk about myself a little bit. (laughs) I've been an editor, a short story editor of science fiction, fantasy, and horror since the early 80s. I started in the genre of science fiction mostly by being fiction editor at Omni for 17 years, and then uh, I worked for Sci-Fiction, which was part of the Sci-Fi Channel website for six years. And since then, I've been freelancing. I edit anthologies, um, both reprint anthologies and well, original anthologies on different themes and sometimes non-themed anthologies. And I acquire short stories for for Tor.com, the website, and novellas for them for Tor.com and for Nightfire, their horror imprint. So that's what I've been doing since 19... 19- 80 approximately. <laughs> and But mostly I've moved from science fiction to horror, although I do occasionally acquire short stories and novellas of science fiction for Tor.com. So that's who I am and that's what I've been doing.
0: Amazing. You've certainly uh, achieved a lot. <laughs> it's
2: impressive. Well, it's been a long time too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So I have to admit that I am not a horror expert. Charlotte is our Horror aficionado. So if you could explain to me and Lucy, because she is similar to me, what exactly body horror is? Because we're total noobs here. We We
2: need to understand what it is we're talking about. Okay, well, I'm not actually an expert in body horror, which is kind of interesting. I started, the anthology came about because Jacob Weissman, the publisher of Tachyon, and I have done several books together, reprint anthologies on different themes. And we were trying to figure out another theme that might be popular enough that we thought would sell, of course, and one that I could find interesting enough reprinted stories that had already been published over the years that I thought would fit the theme he said well what about body horror I said okay and I said but I'm not an expert in it so I actually had to do some research I mean I did have some ideas of okay this is what I consider body horror and stories that I've published over the years or have read over the years but then I started looking into what kind of definitions are there what is body horror exactly and um Basically, it deals with the intimacy of the body's integrity, being breached by intentional mutilation, accidental infestations by parasites, invasion by alien forces, degeneration, transformation, grotesquery, and pain, to make it overall encompassing. (laughs) Um, Gabino Iglesias wrote, body horror as a subgenre of horror is called biological horror horror. Or organic horror It refers to stories in which the horror comes from Or is based on the human body The term body horror Actually came Originally from an academic Named Philip Brophy In a 1983 article called Horality, the textuality Of the contemporary horror film And so it was Originally used to describe This movie subgenre In the mid-70s Exemplified by David Cronenberg and Dario Argente. It was actually codified more as a movie term rather than text. Although, of course, to backtrack a little, there's always been textual body horror. Frankenstein is certainly body horror. And a couple of the stories that one of you mentioned, I forget in the introduction, The Fly, which was originally written by George Langelin, Who Goes There, which was made into The Thing, And, um, also I have no mouth and I'm a scream by Harlan Ellison. And that's a science fiction horror story about people trapped in a computer, a really nasty computer that manipulates their bodies in horrible ways. So that is kind of what body horror is. I mean, that's parts of it, you know, but basically transformation, mutilation, degeneration, (laughs) those kind of things. So does that help?
0: Yes, it does, and actually, I'm quite a, a big Cronenberg fan. So I don't read much horror, but I love to watch it, and uh, that that makes a lot of
2: sense. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I prefer to read it. I don't. I don't watch much. I've, I have not seen Cronenberg's early movies. I've never seen Rabid or Shivers. I, I oh. for, not, for any particular reason, I just never got around to it. Oh well, I like them. <laughs> Well, I will watch them. Yeah, but I, I I watched the thing. I mean, I watched the original thing with James Arness, you know, when I was a kid. You can't see most of the horror. But at John Carpenter's, when I saw it, I actually saw it at a preview in a screening room in New York. And I've never been able to watch it again. I, I want to rewatch it, but it was so disturbing to me that I hesitate. You know, I haven't been able to get myself to do so again. To me, that's the epitome of really, really disturbing body horror. Well, one, you know, that, and of course, Alien. And there are plenty, actually, I have seen a a bunch of movies, but I probably wouldn't see them again.
1: (laughs) Now, we've obviously mentioned things like The Fly and The Thing and everything like that, which is all kind of gory and icky and and painful transformation. But I, I was just wondering whether you thought it was all sticky, horror or whether there's sort of more subtle versions of body horror. Now when I wrote that question, I hadn't managed to get all the way through body shock because I have to say that within the, the anthology you've written there's such a, a wide variety of stuff that I wouldn't have classed as body horror, but when it's put in a collection like that you suddenly go, oh wow, yeah, I can kind of see because it's transformation. right. What do you sort of find about the stickiness of it all? Do you think that's an essential element or do you think there's room for sort of more nuanced transformations?
2: By sticky, do you mean grisly?
1: (laughs) Yeah, just kind of like really unpleasant.
2: Yeah. If you mean grisly and graphic, not necessarily, but don't forget, it depends on the point of view. If you're the body that's being transformed against your will, it's going to be horror. Now, on the other hand, if you're someone who's undergoing body modification of your free will, of your own will, For example, I mean, there are, you know, there's a whole history of real-life body transformation that people have done this deliberately as art projects, you know, plastic surgery where people change their bodies and faces in ways that nature never intended. I mean, one major example is um, the Wildenstein, I think her name is Jocelyn Wildenstein, who made her, who had so many surgeries, she wanted to look like a cat, and she turned out really kind of grotesque looking but that was of her free will so is that horror maybe from the point of view of the viewer but to her she that's what she wanted you know people use scarification and someone um, like contemporary artist fakir masufar i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing it correctly he had his body suspended by hooks that pierced his skin and he also practiced um, extreme corseting and this was intentional uh, the performance artist Stellark practiced body suspension. And one artist, Jan Brenjak, he has had dermal implants in his face. And some people have put horns on their heads. You know, so this is all, is this horror? I mean, I guess it depends on your point of view. They consider it artistic. They consider it a transformation that they choose to to have made. And so, yeah, that's it, I guess it depends on who's looking at it and how you're looking at it. You know, as far as the stories in the book, I don't remember any stories that are transformative where the person is necessarily happy with the transformation. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are people who transform and become monsters, and there are—I mean, that is who they are. That is their mon- their monstrousness is part of them in the in the fictions that I took. And so, from the outside we may consider them monsters but i guess they're they're developing who they are and are okay in, or at least accepting of their transformation
1: when you said about still viewing them as monsters the one that really jumped up in in my mind is one of my favorite authors priya sharma has got her fabulous beasts story oh i
2: love that yeah
1: mm-hmm. and it's a, a dysfunctional family with a rather unpleasant Uncle slash father slash ugh. yes, mm-hmm. and it's all about snakes and how the girls transform into snakes. And while it is isn't necessarily pleasant, and they sort of slough off their skins, oh, it it's is very satisfying. It is <laughs> it's very satisfying, but it's also a way for them to escape the true monster, yes. which is their uncle slash father, whatever. Exactly, and and I just thought that was a really nice addition to this general anthology because you've got some real good pulp fiction uh, sorry pulp horror in there and you know some really gory bits and um the tissue ablation story written by a doctor uh, doing surgery was like whoa
2: (laughs) yeah it's pretty starling that was his first published story i think was
1: it flipping out it was very sticky it
2: was an an interzone it was it is sticky
1: (laughs) But, but i thought Fabulous Beast was a really interesting concept because it it still did categorize as body horror and there was still horror within it but I loved how the the body transformation wasn't necessarily the most horrific thing going on there
2: no that's true
1: and again in um, Richard Matheson's one of I'm always here where the two singers are fused together permanently I always found that uplifting and they were like they were so happy together and it was really (laughs) icky but it was like, yeah. oh, and, you know, the, the journalist is actually going, well, I really want that. And I thought that was a really fascinating couple of stories to slip into to a, something which I looked at. And particularly with the cover, with that eye, you go, oh, it's going to be grisly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Also, um, Nathan Ballingrid's story is less about the physical transformation of the male character and more about the psychological or emotional transformation of the female character. It's something I originally published. I believe I originally published on Sci-Fiction. Um, I, I know I first published it. And it's about an encounter by, uh, by a waitress, of a, someone who comes to the diner who found, a, he claims, he claims he found a car and in the trunk there are bodies or skins of bodies. They enable him to change his appearance at will. And this influences the woman who has a difficult child to make a life-changing decision. So that's not... I mean, the icky part is when the guy, you know, demonstrates his transformations, but the real ickiness is the emotional punch of the story.
0: I can see that. I mean, when you were talking about the kind of idea of transformation being the key sort of aspect to body horror, I started to wonder, would you call then... Kafka's metamorphosis body horror because yes yes yes
2: of course
0: (laughs) okay yeah Yeah, I just never really thought about it I was like oh hey
2: (laughs) well that's it when I well that's what's interesting about trying to put together a reprint theme anthology what I do is I'll start with a core of stories that I remember as being in the theme of perhaps like say body horror and then I will actually go to my favorite authors, a lot of my writers and contributors in other books, and say, do you have something that could be considered body horror? And this, I, this is what I consider body horror. And they'll send me things, you know, some that are totally inappropriate and I do not think of body horror, and then other things that are really all over the place. And that's how that's how I got such a varied book, basically.
3: It sounds like horror as well as beauty is in the eye of the beholder.
2: Oh, well, definitely, yes. Yeah. I mean, when I find, when I was writing my introduction, I also, when I write an introduction, it often helps me realizing how the stories come together and how they are thematic. And it makes me think more about the theme. And in my intro, I talk about, is it body horror when you're transformed against your will? Well, of course it is. Or, but I was thinking of all the Greek mythology, With tales of all these hapless poor mortals who are changed into everything from birds and stones to horses and trees and Medusa's, you know, by the gods. I mean, the cursed Medusa's made into a Gorgon because she's cursed by envious Athena, you know. So, that kind of transformation you can say that I guess Daphne begged her father to save her from. I can't remember who it was. Was it Apollo? Someone chasing her, right? And her father, who was Zeus or somebody, changed her into a tree. So, I mean, is that any better? <laughs> I mean, it's body horror. She's turned into a tree and maybe she can be free. She wanted to remain a virgin. But then the guy, I mean, he worships her and he basically still stalks her even when she's a tree. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, I think mentioning mythology It also brought to mind the story of Leda and the Swan because there you have yes. the transformation of the god but it's horrific because he changes himself into a swan so that he can rape her
2: right swans are pretty vicious anyway <laughs> yeah yeah they are especially the black swans in Australia which I've met <laughs> yes them. Well, I'm from
0: Western Australia, and the Black Swan is our uh, state emblem. So, <laughs> oh, is it? I remember
2: one a bunch of them chased me and Pat Cadigan when we were in Perth, I think, years ago.
0: <laughs> Yay for the Perth Swans! But yeah, they are terrifying. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yes. Uh,
0: you know, the more you think about it, you're talking about mythology. That
3: bloody hell, like body horror is is everywhere in mm-hmm. mythology. When mm-hmm. you start to think about it, yep, Cersei and the pigs. Yeah, absolutely. Like Medusa, yes. her fate, you know, that's, it's amazingly, yeah. And Scylla Scylla and Charybdis, um, God, yeah, (laughs) everywhere you look, there must be, we're obsessed with this element of transformation. In fact, this leads really nicely onto my next question, which is about readers' fascination with body horror. I mean, why, why are we so drawn to reading about something that can be so disturbing?
2: Well, not everyone is. I mean, that's there is a dichotomy, and it's partly why I avoided body horror for so long, I think, is that I expected it to be just torture porn. I hate to use that word, that expression, but you know that's what a lot of people thought of or think of as body horror, and so I kind of avoided it a lot. Um, so I do think you have a dichotomy of readers who are into major gore An extreme horror, and others who are, how do you put it? Well, not as, well, just not into that kind of horror. So I'll be curious to know, I mean, I know this is really weird. I mean, I think some readers will think that my book is not extreme enough for their taste. And then I worry that other readers, that the other half of the readers will say it's too extreme for their taste. So I don't know. So it'll be really interesting to, I mean, the reviews so far have been very good and seem to get the book or get what I'm trying to do, but I don't know if a lot of readers will connect to it, you know, do you think that that, I mean, I mean, I don't know how many, I mean, I don't know that many horror read. I mean, of course I do, you know, I, I mean, I go to conventions, I, you know, and, and you see what people are like, like, and don't like, you know, so I don't know, I, what do you think? <laughs>
1: Well, as someone who does read a lot of horror, I'm a bit like you that I don't really like the extremists. And when, you know, we were talking about getting you on the show and they're like, oh, she's done a body horror anthology. I'm like, oh God, I don't know. That's not my thing. Right, right. You know what? I couldn't couldn't read it over lunch while I was having my lunch. That was a step too far. (laughs) But I I devoured it, excuse the pun, late into the night. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was... I was just mesmerized by them. And I see what you mean about some people expecting it to be really extreme and torture porn because that is quite a lot of sort of you know body horror. It it does seem to be a segment of it. But like I said, you've included some really fabulous things. I mean, I'm looking at the notes I made and so many of them focus on family or on loss, on what it means to be human and what it means to be comfortable in your body, Um, what it means to be a monster as well. I mean, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it's, Angela Slatter's Cuckoo about a revenge demon who discovers yes, that yeah. even though she walks around in corpses, she's not the most horrific thing on the planet. Yeah.
2: And that's really kind of a slap in her face, boy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And she kind of just goes, shocking.
2: She's helpless against real evil.
1: Exactly. And, and I found that was something in quite a few of the stories as well. Again, like we were saying fabulous beasts earlier where the transformation was not the horror element it was used to escape. And I personally think that people who are into, like you say, the really strong grizzly side perhaps are going to go, oh, it's not very good. But I think that everyone else is going to go, wow, this is a whole area of body horror I didn't even know existed. You know, the people who hadn't thought of Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis being body horror will then look at some of the stuff on here and go, you know what, quite right, it it really is.
2: Right, right. I hope so.
1: Yeah, Shona Maguire's Spores was about a fungal infection. That was a story about a family. It wasn't necessarily about body horror. It was Well,
2: you know, the whole thing about for for me, the story comes first. I don't like vignettes. One thing I don't like about certain kinds of horror is they put you they put you in touch with They just put you in media res, I think it's called. They put you in the center, the middle of what's happening and someone's being tortured or killed. And to me, it's the storytelling that's really important, and I want there to be an actual story. I know that someone mentioned um, The Traveler's Rest, and – saying that it doesn't seem like body horror at first, and it's like, oh, I don't know, I think i would be disappointed. And I reread it, you know, I don't <laughs> because you know it's like with such a big anthology, it's hard for me, it was hard for me to remember all the stories. I had to like refresh my memory on all of them, and I realized, yeah, it does start off as something completely different. Again, it's a family drama, and people going into a hotel, staying in a hotel, and it becomes really horrific. Um, and yes, it's indeed again it's transformational, transformative body horror. When people ask me why, I, how do I order the stories? Well, the first one is the one that I want to signal what the whole book's about. And even though it, and maybe because it starts a little slowly and not isn't in your face initially, I think if what I recall is that's why I put it first to let people know it's not your typical body horror or extreme horror anthology.
0: Bringing it back to sort of like why people are interested in body horror, this is just me speculating, but it feels like there's so much in terms of transformation and things that are happening to our bodies, you know, women giving birth or getting Mm. older and, and things that are quite terrifying in our lives. And I think it's kind of like a weird fascination with, other things that could go wrong with your body and then like oh hey well aging's not so bad um you know i could be turned into a parasite or something <laughs>
2: right yes yeah, so or turned into a tree or whatever yeah. yeah well yeah i mean women are bleed monthly for a good chunk of our lives when you think about it that's kind of horrific <laughs> and of course carrie made use of that in the, in the in well in every in so many different ways i think king was really Onto something. Aside from the obsession of the, or zealousness of the mother, and who is so anti sex, um, the whole bathroom scene with Carrie and her menstruation for the first time is, it, it's partly, well, certainly, staining is every woman's nightmare, you know, when you have your period. But, you know, the thing is, when they, the whole in your face scene, Now, I don't remember the actual book. I remember from the movie, and actually, I actually saw the musical, God help me, (laughs) of Carrie. But it's, you know, in your face with these people, you know, you're innocent, you have no idea what's going on, and your body's bleeding. I mean, isn't that one of the most horrific things that could happen to a person? Um, Just to take it on a tangent slightly, there's a musical of Carrie? (laughs) Really? Oh, gosh, yes. Yes, I think they even revived it. Oh, it was awful. I mean, it was so (laughs) sad. (laughs) Yes, there was a musical of Carrie, and I went to it in previews, and it didn't even open. It was so bad, and that scene was horrendous. I mean, they had horrible music. It was really daffy and campy, but not intentionally campy. Uh, yes, <laughs> and I do think they might have been. It might have been revived temporarily for a short period of time. Yeah, look it up. You'll see it opened and closed <laughs> really quickly.
1: Hopefully someone's got it on YouTube somewhere.
2: <laughs> I'm sure you can find find it. I haven't looked, but I'm sure you can find bits of it, if not the whole thing.
1: Sorry, taking it off on a mad tangent mm-hmm. there. Let's bring it back to the idea of, of body changes. Now, when I opened up the book, I kind of expected to see a lot about puberty and pregnancy and, and getting old and things, because these, like Megan was saying, very natural changes. But I didn't find a lot of evidence of that in the stories that you picked? When you were reading, because I assume you read quite widely, like you said you did research for this, did you find that puberty and pregnancy and those kind of things did make it into body horror or are they absent in favour of other changes?
2: Oh, wow, that didn't even occur to me. I'm thinking of something, I'm thinking of Mongrels by the novel by Stephen Graham Jones that, you know, at puberty, the and this is a novelist and not a short story, I'm thinking of at puberty, the werewolves... They start finding their powers or start transformations, but in actual stories, I've read it. I've read it more in novels than in stories, and it doesn't come across as body horror to me. The one, I mean, I don't consider. I didn't consider mongrels body horror as far as pregnancy. I'm trying. I, you know, I'm not sure. I didn't. I never thought of it. I mean, I wasn't looking for stories like that, and I don't recall. So you don't think there? I don't think there are any stories like that. Yeah, I I mean, in the book, I mean, in the book for sure. Yeah, it just
3: reminded me of one, um, and I think it with with pregnancy. I mean, like clearly, um, there are you know the idea of women birthing horrors. It's like quite an old idea, Mm -hmm. but then there's also a much kind of subtler pregnancy horror in. uh, So Robin McKinley's um, Deer Skin. Which is that retelling mm-hmm. of the donkey skin myth mm-hmm. um, fairy tale? You know, obviously, like it, it's is a horrific fairy tale, but I thought that Robin does it, you know, extremely well considering its mm-hmm. material, like incest, rape, um, and the, you know, obviously when her when her father rapes her, it also impregnates her, and she there's this extremely harrowing, horrific scene mm-hmm. where she's run away to the mountains, and she has a miscarriage. Um, and the but the, she she describes that the body changing and bloating and at the same time she's becoming thinner and thinner because uh, she hasn't got enough food to eat um, and right. that that scene um from her body changing right. and to to the eventual miscarriage um is mm-hmm. is horrific in a way oh, that it's A natural process but because of the way that she was impregnated it the whole thing becomes and she's not like giving birth to an alien or anything but I thought that there was a really subtle way of kind of incorporating the idea of body horror you know into something that's extremely common
2: definitely yes yes but I mean I as I said I can't think of stories offhand (laughs) oh my God, I'm terrible at thinking them
3: of offhand. It was just because like, I was sitting here listening to it where everyone was saying, and I was like, oh, deerskin, that reminded me. But, you know, if someone says to me, oh, think of a story, and I'm like, I haven't
2: read any stories. I haven't read anything like that. I don't know. No, I'm sure I have, but I can't, you know. So what? What? it was pregnancy, and what were the other things you were talking about that you were referencing? Um,
1: just changes to the body, like old age. And well, aging.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there are a lot of stories about aging, Aging. I mean, just any vampire that's exposed to sun will age so fast it'll turn into ash, right? I mean, isn't it an aging process or is not? Sometimes, I guess in the movies, sometimes it's an aging process. But it's usually just an instant of, you know, obliteration. Well, yeah, I mean, aging is a horror anyway. I mean, I just watched The Father, the movie with Anthony Hopkins and Olivia, Olivia Coleman, And, you know, the deterioration, mental deterioration is is, I think, more terrifying than physical deterioration. Yeah, and I've read stories like that, but are they body horrors? I'm trying to think. I mean, I've read science fiction stories like that. I mean, Morning Child by Gardner-Dossois, which I published years ago, and I think I won the Nebula. It's about two people traveling. It takes place in one day, and I think it's only like 2,000 words, and basically you find out that one of the people, is a, he starts as a child and he ends up, an old man and he dies and he's rebirth born the next day that's body horror I mean I never thought of it that way but you know looking at it science fiction yeah sure you know and uh, what was the the movie made out of that uh, you know oh god I can't remember there's a movie about that whole process where someone is oh someone Fred Pitt was in it Benjamin Button yes right and that's based on a story
0: yes by F. Scott Fitzgerald
2: it really was. It was by Fitzgerald. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah, it's a show story okay, by Fitzgerald. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, and don't forget, there's a there's a real life condition. Is like called porphyria or something? Where someone, where a child ages really quickly. I mean, so it's actually based on reality, which is terrifying. You know that it's a real syndrome.
1: I do know of porphyria from the X Files, and watching that when I was a kid because they had a, a whole episode on that. And uh, yeah, it yeah. is a. I remember it terrifying me as a teenager, just thinking that's that's just awful.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: But Lucy's example of deerskin reminded me of a couple of other fancy books I'd read where. Women bleeding is a a key issue in it, or having a miscarriage is what kicks it off and things like that. Mm. Which makes me wonder, actually, since I haven't since I can think of at least four or five fantasy or normal stories where I've read that, but I can't think of any horror stories apart from obviously King and, and things like that, where it's it is part of it. It makes me wonder if maybe what happens to our bodies is so horrifying by itself that that's kind of enough for fantasy and sci-fi. And they're like, well, we don't really need to do it any worse because (laughs) having miscarriages and being raped and things is pretty gruesome all by itself. So when it comes to horror, it's like, well, we want to do something different for our body horror, so we'll kind of steer away from that. But
2: uh, but I don't know whether that's a horrible generalization or not. That's possible. And also, I mean, women writers today don't want to be – Pigeonholed as women writers. They want to be just writers. And if women concentrate on only things that happen to women, that can be limiting to their readership, unfortunately. A lot of guys won't read stories by women anyway, or fiction by women, which is annoying and obnoxious, but that happens you know, in whatever field you're talking about. You know, that's totally off track. <laughs>
0: Not completely. I mean, I was thinking, because earlier you mentioned alien, and of course there's Mm -hmm. the very famous scene, you know, basically John Hurt becomes impregnated and gives birth to an alien. Yes. Yes. And it makes me wonder, because, you know, these quite horrific things that are natural and happen to women, pregnancy, menstruation, and all these kinds of things, but once they're actually transposed onto men they become horrifying.
2: Yes. Well, I I have read stories where men are impregnated against, obviously against their will by an alien or by someone evil who's doing it. And you know that the only way there's no birth canal. So, you know, that whatever's going to happen, it's not going to be great (laughs) to the recipient or to the uh, whoever is holding the uh, eggs. (laughs) The Beauty
3: uh, by Leah Whiteley is a really great example of men developing well, not birth canals because they don't, but they do. They do their their bodies do undergo a change so that they can give birth. And it's a, right. it's quite a short novella, but it's uh, it's really worth reading, just oh. to put that out there.
2: And of course, then there's also the parasitic a- aspect of blowflies and and other horrible insects that use your body as an incubator, male and female. That's kind of disgusting <laughs> idea. And it, and, it, and it's, it's for any gender, any, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. They don't care. I mean, the bugs don't care.
0: Do you think that there's any difference or have you noticed a pattern in terms of typical body horror stories? You know, if a certain kind of transformation happens to female bodies or male bodies, or I don't know if there are, are more stories coming out with sort of non-binary we, bodies and so on you know is there a pattern do you see a more particular kind of
2: body horror happening to certain kinds of people no and that makes me thrilled (laughs) you know I mean at least the stories the you know I forget how many stories but the stories in my anthology there doesn't seem to be a pattern I mean there are some stories about you know voluntary transformation there are other stories about people transforming themselves They're all over the place, and I like that. It's an equal opportunity horror. (laughs) Yeah, but don't forget, I haven't, I mean, I haven't, aside from what I've read for this anthology, I'm not sure I've read all that much body horror outside of what I've read, if you're saying, if you know what I'm getting, what I'm saying. You know, aside from the research I did and the stories I looked at to hopefully use for the anthology, I may have missed a wide swath of really extreme body horror or just ignored it because I don't like it yeah I mean I can think of some gender ignoring you know where it doesn't matter who you are or what you are that someone or something is gonna inject themselves into you or do something horrible to you I so I don't really see a pattern in it as far as who's writing what and how they're approaching it
1: I wondered if it was possible to take A sort of broader view of anthologies in general now because like you say body horror is just one of the many anthologies that you've done throughout the years so I wondered if you'd be willing to maybe just have a a more general chat about horror and short stories and things because one of the things I always wondered is that you must have read so many horror stories over the years as an editor of so many anthologies are you now pretty hard to scare or do you still get the, the thrill when you read the, the stories? Or is it just every now and again one comes through and grabs you? How, how is it these days? For- well,
2: those are two different questions, actually. The first one, nothing scares me in fiction. And I say this, people ask me this all the time. I am not scared by fiction. I am scared by things in real life. But I am not, fiction doesn't scare me. It may horrify me, you know, when I'm reading it. It will hopefully unnerve me it make me really really uncomfortable and it may make me say ick or oh. <laughs> but it doesn't scare me so and yes no matter how much i read i've read and i have of course because I read, i've been reading for a year's best for since 19 i think 87 i when i was 17 years i was it 17 or 21 years, 21 years, Terry, I, you know, I co-edited the year's best fantasy and horror and I covered the horror. So I've been doing that for 21 to, over 31 years. So basically I'm totally an ignoramus about anything before, Oh, let's say 1985 in horror or 1980. I mean, not in total ignoramus, but I'm not, I'm not a historical horror reader. And, and now, and I've never had time to catch up or, very little. I mean, I read some horror when I was a kid, stories that, you know, were older. But since I've been working on A Year's Best, I only read every year the new stuff. On the other hand, the new stuff has been going on for what, you know, 31 years. So, am I I guess the kind of, the question you're asking is, is, am I jaded and how do I still get a thrill? Well, a good story is a good story. And a great story will still jump out at me. And it's the telling of it, the point of view, the tone, the voice, the venue, uh, uh, what I mean is the background of the story itself, the characters. If they all hit on full cylinders, it's a great story and horrific elements. And no matter how long I've been editing, that doesn't change. Even though I might see a story that's got a similar plot line to something else or has maybe a similar character kind of similar to another story. It's what each author does with those stories and how they jump out at me. But it's, you know, it's a combination of all the great bits of a story that hit me and make me want to take it for one thing or another.
3: So that is what draws you to a story. But what about what would put you off? Because we do talk on this podcast quite a lot about tropes that have been done to death, and I'm pretty sure horror must be full of them.
2: Yes, but it doesn't matter because it can be redone. Uh, When I was reading, when they would hope, you know, there have been periods of zombie stories, like, you know, for five years at a time, zombie stories are really hot. Then they're not. Then five years later, they're hot again. And at some point I'll say, I never want to read another zombie story. I can't stand it. And then I will find, I will see someplace, a, a zombie story that's terrific, that's completely different, that does something new, that, burns me, you know, that really does something. And the same thing with Lovecraft, you know, every kind of trope. Um, I always say that I'm really sick of the the couple that goes to, you know, a hotel or a cottage or something and they're miserable and bad things happen. And yet I buy those stories all the time because there are really good ones that are different. Um, so I will never say never again, shall we say. <laughs> I just watched the last Vaughn movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, like some tropes, actually, um, We again, and that's something else we say, I mean, in, unless they're massively negative, actually, tropes are there because generally readers enjoy them and stereotypes grow from certain patterns of behaviour and people, and I think that in a way it's quite good to have certain tropes because then we can see, you know, um,
2: subversions and progress. Um, yes, but see, I don't see a trope as the same thing as a stereotype. I, I'm not sure how I would define each of them, but to me, a trope is more a theme. I think it's mm-hmm. more general. A stereotype is more is more character. I think I'm not sure.
3: Uh, it, no, I agree, agree with you. It. Yeah, it is probably more character focused, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's what the author does with the with the characters, no matter what the trope is. Kind of circular there.
1: Okay. One final question. Thinking about the future. Because like you say, you've done the year's best anthologies for, for a long time. And you're now doing, obviously, the old themed one like body horror. So if you could choose an anthology theme that you would like to do, is there something out there that you really think, God, I really want to have an anthology on this particular, this particular part of the genre?
2: Well, right now I'm actually trying to pitch a few reprint ideas to um, Tachyon, but that's different. You know, Original anthologies, I, lo- I want to do more non-theme anthologies. I would love to do, I loved my Supernatural Noir anthology, and I love that mix-up, that, that theme, and I would love to do another one like that. I have this ridiculous idea. I want to do a book of shoes, <laughs> but I can't figure out how to pitch it. You know, I'd want it to be mainstream and genre and fiction mostly, but some nonfiction and all kinds of shoes and the whole idea of wearing shoes and different horseshoes, boots, and sandals, basically everything having to do with any kind of shoe that exists or didn't exist or fantasy shoe. Um, but, you know, as I said, I can't, it's like I can't quite, I haven't had a chance to I'm, I mean someone suggested it to me years ago and I have like notes but I can't really put together a, a sellable proposal basically but that's just would be fun I mean it would be a mixture of not only horror but no I mean you know I love what I'm doing and you know I have some ideas of themes that might or might not work and I have proposals out for a couple but I don't can't really talk about them we'll see if anyone's interested
1: to be honest, I would read the hell out of a shoe anthology. That sounds amazing. <laughs>
2: yeah, but I can't, but I don't know if a male editor would even buy it. And there are, I don't know, that many female editors. <laughs> you
1: know? Oh, I don't know. There's got to think... be someone out there who'll be like, yeah, I've always wanted to <laughs> someday, read a shoe Someday,
2: someday maybe I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's not a crush, you know, it's not something I, oh, I really, really, really want to do. It's just an idea that's kind of fun that I think would, I would enjoy doing. Brilliant.
1: Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Ellen. It's been absolutely wonderful to have
0: you on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Breaking the Glass Slipper is written and produced by Megan Lee, Charlotte Bond, and Lucy Hounsom. Please help us spread the word, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you would like to hear on the next episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper.